Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to Deeply Discussing Dexter. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hi. And Zach Rowland. Hey, hey. And today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 10, In the Beginning. On this episode, Dexter packs Sonya and Harrison off to Orlando. LaGuerta agrees to roll out the barrels again. Chase tells a woman that she's special, so special that he won't touch her or even look at her. And Dexter gives Lumen a present and is rewarded with the sex. What did you guys think <laughs> of this episode overall? I really liked this episode. I mean, it was it's not my favorite episode of all time or anything, but I was as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I'm into this. I, I I'm enjoying this. I'm liking the tension. I'm liking where it's headed. Uh, and then yeah, it just it, it worked out. Just good. I thought it was okay. Um, it was just okay. Uh, it was, I mean, it kind of just made me feel skeezy and uncomfortable. I think a lot of the, so much of the violence and those those DVDs scenes of the, yeah, that I think that made it really uncomfortable. Which is what you should be watching a show like this. But mm-hmm. and I thought plot wise, yeah, we did a little bit, but I really hated the ending of this episode a lot. So that kind of. Whatever I did like about it is ruined immediately by the ending. Oh, we'll get there. We will definitely talk about that. Good, good, great. I'm glad. (laughs) Uh, But it starts with Dexter uh, sending Harrison to Orlando with Sonia so he's safe with Astro Cody and the grandparents. Um, That is not how babysitters work at all. (laughs) You don't send your babysitter away with your child alone for the weekend. It's just not it. Like, even if she's just giving him a ride, that's not how babysitters work. They don't give children rides for whatever it is, like six hours between Orlando and Miami. Um, Dexter moves Lumen into his apartment, which Jordan Chase does not know about. Lee is watching and sees them go into the apartment. So again, Quinn's PI is has better information than than Jordan Chase does. This at this point, I gotta say, it is kind of weird. Like Dexter, you seems maybe he's just too distracted, but it's like he's so good about knowing his surroundings and stuff. It's almost unbelievable that he's been tracked this long by Liddy without being without noticing anything, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because he. I mean, he's always on guard. He's always watching. That that doesn't quite fit. Yeah. yeah, and he actually meets Lee for the first time later in this episode, so... Right. Um, Dexter and Lumen make a plan to interview the woman whose blood Chase wears around his neck. Dexter thinks she's the first victim, but was allowed to live. Miami Metro LaGuerta is giving a briefing on the reopening of the Barrel Girls case. Um, they resisted the urge to call any of the episodes this season Roll Out the Barrel. Yeah, I mean, this is a season where they called an episode Illuminated. Yeah. So. Still upset about that. Yeah, they they were a couple of, sh- of Scott Buck episodes away from it, I'm sure. Um, Deb has been returned to detective work from the file room, meaning that I guess the investigation slash scapegoating of Yasmin's death at the club has just been abandoned, 
at this point because we never hear about it again. <laughs> They've pinned it back on Manzone since so she's no longer there. <laughs> yeah. They pinned it on Manzone. Maybe that's why she's gone. Off of camera and she, <laughs> she leaves. I like to think that she got like so upset by Deb saying that if they needed a real fucking detective that she'd be in the file room that she just like burst into tears and quit. Like, that's all it took. That's all it took. I can't take this. I can deal with beheaded bodies. I can deal with maggots on on heads, but I can't deal with that. I'm going back to college. I'm gonna go learn something else. <laughs> I'm gonna go be an accountant. Yeah. Um. Masuka found Cole's DNA, but Dexter has already killed and buried Mister Suitman at sea. Gorda thinks that bringing Deb back would be enough to patch things up with Angel, but he blows her off. Still a lot of space between the couch and the bed. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird move. It's like I don't, I just that yeah, that little sequence was kind of like, huh? Okay, that this whole like Angel carrying a grudge thing is very not Angel. Like, Angel's yeah, he, the one that's the optimist all the time, and you would think that he'd give Maria a break at some point. Not because she deserved it, but because he's Angel and he can't help himself. Well, it, it kind of makes sense based on the reboot of this season, because earlier this season he was whining about, say she has, like, a, a secret bank account. You know, right. all, all that high school shit that he was pulling. So it, it just it just stands to reason that he'd he'd be all passive aggressive and 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 angsty. Yeah. Yeah, because in season two he was Mr. Positivity, right? He's like, I'm gonna put the positivity out there. It'll come back to me. Yeah, and it pissed off Dokes, which was great. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It also <laughs> got him in Lila's crosshairs, so you keep talking that woo-woo shit, Batista. <laughs> that woo-woo shit, I was trying to remember what he called it. Yeah. How could I forget? Um, this this also brings up the uh, the cliche of the couple are fighting, so the guy sleeps on the couch thing. Which, if Angel's mad at La Guerta and it's not a mutual thing, why isn't La Guerta on the couch? That's what I don't understand. Why do men with their bad backs have to go on the couch even when they're in the right? I don't get it. Yep, doesn't make any sense. It's supposed to be gender equality, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to break that one down. I'm not sure. (laughs) Just buy himself a really nice bed to put in the living room. Like, hey, I'll be out in the garage on the cot. (laughs) (laughs) You can't afford it. It's all in her secret bank account. (laughs) I had a nice place to sleep, but now the dog sleeps there. Deb and Quinn end up talking to Jordan Chase, who tells them that Suitman disappeared weeks ago. They say that even though he was previously cleared, he's now wanted for at least five murders. Deb is aggressive with Chase and and he says that further conversations will need to go through his attorney. Dexter and Lumen go to the first victim, Emily Birch. They mention Jordan Chase's name and show her the picture um, of the young boy versions of uh, her attackers. And Birch asks them to leave and closes the door. 
Dexter gets called to a search of Cole's apartment. Deb points out some of Cole's blood that Dexter and Lumen failed to clean up. Quinn shows Deb and Dexter DVDs made of the rape and torture of the women. Um, and that whole scene is all messed up. I mean, first of all, Dexter missed blood on the wall, which that that doesn't happen. That's not how Dexter rolls. He wasn't drunk or like screwed up at the time to not do it. And uh, Quinn makes the total dick move of, hey, you guys need to come see this, and doesn't say, I've got a bunch of, like, torture rape for you to watch. Come into the next room, and I've already got it playing. Like, I'm already mid-scene. So, not cool, Quinn. Not cool. There are 13 numbered DVDs with a woman each. Um, The 13th is Lumen. Dexter needs to keep Deb from finding out that Lumen was one of the victims since they met in the last episode. Masuka has put together that there are 13 discs, but only 12 locks of hair were found at Boyd's house. Dexter swaps disc 13 by knocking them over to disguise the switch from Masuka. Such a a silly thing, too. Just like the old switcheroo. That is an awkward scene. Yeah. Yeah. Is, or this episode is full of awkward scenes that just, just, uh, yeah. Like as soon as he enters that room, that I guess came from nowhere. Like that that room has not existed before. Uh, Masuka starts yelling at him about chain of evidence, chain of custody evidence, and Dexter just keeps walking in and does the like most awkward, ridiculous switch of all time. And he also puts the thing behind his back and the like the yeah. blinds are open and the door is visible to everyone and yeah. it's just it makes it, and you guys all know how busy it is cuz all those extras are walking back and forth <laughs> behind and you're just like nobody sees how awkward this is. It's Same Miami extra. Metro. It just makes sense that things happen, <clears throat> you know. Just another day at the office. <laughs> Playing it cool, just holding his hands behind his back. Nothing to see here. Uh, Dexter brings Lumen her DVD. Dexter reassures her that no one at Miami Metro, including himself, has watched the disc. Lumen thanks Dexter. She says he's his only way through this. Lumen watches her DVD, and Dexter can hear it in the next room. Deb tells Dexter that there's no coming back from this sort of treatment. She's watched the other 12 DVDs. Deb has figured out that Dan the Dentist is one of the rapists. That means that Boyd has disappeared. Someone attacked Cole, who's also missing, and Dan the Dentist is dead. She believes someone is attacking these offenders, possibly killing them. None of them bought uh, tickets, airline tickets or emptied their accounts, so Deb thinks that they're being hunted by a vigilante. Hmm. <laughs> Good detective work, Deb. Yeah. For once, a little delayed. Yeah. It is interesting that she she came up with any theories while watching those twelve DVDs. Well, she also had twelve cups of coffee. Remember how much coffee stimulates her detective work? Yeah, it's the trees, the trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was funny. She's been up all night and just has like the giant like 
uh, Charlie from It's Always Sunny charts like laid out on the floor. Yeah. Uh, Lumen takes the DVD of herself to Emily Birch and shows it to her. She asks if this is what happened to her too. Birch lets her in. She didn't know that the others, uh, that there were others after her that had been attacked. Lumen tells her that she was the 13th and she's the only one that survived. Birch points at a chubby kid named Eugene Greer, who was Jordan Chase before changing his name. He drugged her at camp and tied her to a bunk. He didn't touch her, but he got the other guys to do it. And they made her take that picture afterward. Birch identifies yeah. the fifth man, Alex Tilden. Yeah, that was a that was a very emotional story. You're just, you're just like, ugh. So yeah, terrible. This, this whole episode just makes you feel like you're getting beat up. It's just horrible thing after horrible thing after horrible thing. Yeah, I don't know who played this uh, Emily Birch, but she did a really good job of playing somebody who is just emotionally damaged. Yeah, this this episode feels like uh, a crossover between Dexter and Law and Order SVU. Yeah. Liddy pretends to run into Dexter at the station. He forges Quinn's signature to check out a bunch of surveillance equipment from Miami Metro, it's so, despite being a fired veteran cop. It's so it, yeah. Everybody acts like they don't even know him. Right. It's it's so easy to steal from Miami Metro. Well, I mean, Dexter checks out like all kinds of stuff too, all the time. <laughs> he checked out cars. Cars. It's like M99. It's from Impound. Why, why would we have a record of that? Mm-hmm. They're all cops. <laughs> Lumen tells Dexter what she found out, that Emily Birch, uh, her attack is what made Jordan who he is today. Lumen wants to be the one to kill the fifth man, Alex. Deb and Quinn meet with Alex. His name came up on a list of acquaintances of Cole. They ask if he knows Dan the Dentist or Boyd Fowler or Jordan Chase. He denies all three. Dexter gives Lumen a present, gloves like his. As they discuss their next steps, Liddy is shown watching them on surveillance. He's bugged the apartment. So creepy. <clears throat> also, when did he get in? Yeah, it must have been while they were out talking to Birch or something. I get, yeah, because it's or like very Lumen little time. man. Right. Because she, she's been at his apartment nonstop other than that, those I, well I guess she did go and talk to him or to her without him so that could be the time. Uh, yep. Dexter That's and it. Lumen sneak into Alex's house to look for clues they find a jewelry box with 13 pieces of jewelry the last is Lumen's Birch has Jordan chase at her house turns out Jordan told her to tell Lumen the truth Birch is worried for Jordan but he assures her that he and Birch have a special bond she made him what he is today she tries to touch him, but he gently pushes her hand away. So he told her to t- talk to the detectives all along. That's that scene, like it's it's kind of hard to watch, like just how how dominated he has this poor woman. Yeah, and like he doesn't even make eye contact with her, look in her direction, except when he like grabs her hand and moves it away. Mm-hmm. It's just ugh. 
Which makes me feel like it, she didn't necessarily tell the truth. Like, she's like, I told the truth, I told the story. And it's like, did you really, though? I mean, now we're seeing this side of things, and it seems like there could be more or things that you didn't tell her. So we don't know. We just have to assume. Well, she told Lumen, who's not necessarily a threat as long as Jordan Chase can take care of Lumen before she gets to the police. Um, and she doesn't know, or I guess he knows that Lumen and Dexter are working together. So, yeah, I'm not sure what his plan is. I mean, at one time I knew it because I've seen these episodes before, but I, I don't remember what his plan was. Um, Chase and his lawyer show up at Miami Metro. They try to stop Deb from getting a sample of De- uh, Chase's DNA, but Chase goes against counsel and offers to give a sample to help. Dexter's the one to take his cheek swab. Chase makes veiled threats about Dexter's family. Dexter tells him he's glad that Chase never touched the girls because the DNA results will clear him and Dexter will have him all to himself. Lumen reveals her kill suit to Dexter. He's blown away. He says, you look perfect. Lumen admires Dexter's knives. She takes that one and practices stabbing with it. Stupid thing with her kill outfit. It really was irritating to me. She had the first outfit, and I'm dressed all wrong, and then she says, how's this? It looks stupid, doesn't it? You're not trying on a frickin' evening gown. I just, It just really irked me for some reason that she's so worried about her outfit and that he's so gushing over how she looks in a kill suit. It's a shirt and it's pants. Yeah, it, it, it's like... I, he's excited because she's the anti-Miguel. She didn't dress like the <laughs> Unabomber. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of did in her first outfit, though, to be fair. So I guess maybe that's right. it. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I get that. I don't know. I liked it. I like this, like the, these moments, these little like precious moments almost because they're, I don't know. It is the anti-Miguel. And so <laughs> it's like, oh, he's finally getting... He's finally getting a, like a, a partner in crime or someone he can teach these things to or I don't know. Someone who's been his, he's been through what he's been through and I don't know. Maybe I'm a sucker for friendship. Yeah. It, would have been hilarious. <laughs> it would have been hilarious if she would have been like, well, do you like this? And he said no. And she's like, well, fuck you then. <laughs> like Miguel. It would have been great. Yeah, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing when she started like practicing stabbing. Like... You know how knives work, right? <laughs> Doesn't take practice. <laughs> You've used really. a knife before, right? <laughs> uh, but they do that just so that Liddy has the visual of her stabbing something in front of Dexter like that, so that he can say, "Oh my goodness," which is like Liddy suddenly joining the cast as little orphan Annie. <laughs> yeah, he would have said something profane. Most of what he says, it's really that you know, B movie profane, cheesy, mm-hmm. like here to kick ass and chew bubble gum type of line. What a missed opportunity, him seeing that, just saying, oh my goodness. Golly! Same <laughs> Gomer pile for a second. <laughs> that was a really good Gomer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> was impressive. Almost as good as your uh, season one Cody. <laughs> uh, Hank Hill's my best. Hank Hill's the one I can do the best, but um, we'll have to save that for another day. Uh, I work in a reference just to get you yeah. to do that. Um, Alex and Jordan have a phone conversation. 
Jordan tells him to keep his regular routine and Jordan will take care of him. Turns out that Jordan is parked outside of Alex's house. He sees Dexter and Lumen walk into the house. He calls Deb. He tells her that Alex called Jordan's office looking for Cole to arrange a flight. Alex gets home and walks right past Dexter. The DVD of Lumen's attack starts playing and Lumen steps out in front of him. As he runs to the phone, Dexter M99s him. And I forgot because it was so uh, so under-executed that, yeah, Jordan's plan was to basically set up Dexter and Lumen for Alex's murder. Yeah. So that's that's his plan. Oh, he was trying to get him, yeah, set up and get him caught. And, like, they showed us where they were probably going to have the kill room, like, right next to where they trapped him. And, yeah, it was all yeah getting us to that point. But he's there himself. He, he You know, he's very wealthy man and has nothing else to do um, but sit outside of Alex's house until this happens. Alex wakes up on Dexter and Lumen's table. Dexter takes his blood slide and shows him the picture of the victims. Deb and Quinn pull into Alex's driveway. They find the front door unlocked and enter the house with their guns drawn. They walk through the door that Lumen suggested led to the kill room earlier. And then an establishing shot shows us that the kill room is actually a house that is for sale. So she wants to be able to see that from that door. Uh, Alex tells Lumen that Jordan made him do things that he never would have done. Lumen corrects him and says, no, you made me do things I never would have done ever, ever. Alex offers them Jordan Chase and money. He asks for a number. Lumen just says 13 and gags him. Dexter gives her the knife. She gets up on the table to reach and then stabs Alex in the heart. Deb finds a partial footprint. Quinn says it looks small, maybe a woman's. Deb figures out that the vigilante might be number 13 since there were only 12 locks of hair. Um, She figures that out while looking at the footprint. And then back at Dexter's apartment, Lumen removes her outer shirt, then removes Dexter's, but leaves his hands caught up in it. She kisses him, removes his shirt from his hands, and lets him touch her. They have sex and snuggle. And he says, in her eyes, I'm not a monster at all. Okay, Brooke, let's have it. This is where the season loses me. This is where it loses me. And I do remember that this was a turning point for me watching the show where the first time I really was like super disappointed um, on my first, first watching it just, to me, it just, it's such a mistake. It's such a mistake. I get what they're trying to do. She killed somebody and now she's freed some of those demons and now she's ready to, you know, not be a victim and, and not be so afraid. And now she can, she can have the sex because she's, less damage now because she killed him I, I get that's i guess that's what they're trying to say but no no yeah, no it kills it, the impact of this relationship it takes it a whole different place it makes no sense yeah if the only context is that dexter finally let her kill it makes sense that she sleeps with him but not in the sense that they're hunting down the people that like kidnapped and raped her um right. And, yeah, they got rid of one of the guys, but she's going to be emotionally damaged and have serious trouble with sex for the rest of her life. 
she's not just going to decide to throw down with Dexter. Um, yeah, and, and that's that's and there's no way exactly. they get there's there's no way that even if she like initiates what she did, there's no way they get to like the snuggling place by the end of that. Like oh, something something had to have gone wrong somewhere in there for this to make any kind of sense, and it doesn't. So it doesn't. Yeah, it was just like a too easy wrap up. Like they're trying to say this is what she needs to heal from this and it's just that simple that she killed the guy and now she's feeling comfortable enough to be physically intimate and much less to have an emotional connection with that it's just it makes no sense i think it kind of is a little bit disrespectful to the concept of somebody who is a victim of something like that and it doesn't make sense in the context of the characters it's not what i don't think anyone who watches the show once for Dexter and Lumen. Well, it's 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 like a it's like a gratitude move. It's like she has sex with him out of gratitude, which shouldn't be the currency of gratitude for her. Um because that's the way they played. It's not like they've hinted that Lumen sorta of is interested in Dexter before at all. And you know he's gone out of his way to say that like and he's never been interested in her and he goes out of his way to tell everybody that she's not his girlfriend and he's not lying about that this this episode did show there even throughout the start of the episode it it kind of showed their relationship in a different light the scenes were a lot more flirty than you would think uh and then this one they uh, they finally have sex at the end of the episode, and to me, they framed it as like Brooke said, she's kind of taking her power back, but it just did not land. Well, you say they finally, they finally sleep with each other. Well, they finally sleep to each other. Like I meant that they. They get to that scene, not that it has been building up to it. I'm, I'm, I misspoke. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I saw the flirtiness you're talking about in this episode. I feel like this came out of left field. But my read on it is different, too, than yours, Dale. I, don't, I didn't see it as a gratitude thing, but I, I can see that, too. To me, I felt like they were showing it as a, you know, a motion forward for her and her healing. But that, uh, either way, is problematic. Your read or, or mine, I think it's really a problematic way to take the story and to take that relationship of him being her mentor to help her deal with this traumatic event. And, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's all wrong. Well, it's yeah, all wrong. like she first puts his hands behind his back, which um, I, I buy into that part of it. You know, like she has to be in complete control for this to have any sense of working. But then she's like, you know what? This is working, and she just she just goes for it. And he picks her up and throws her on the bed. You're like, wow, really? Well, and even that, you wouldn't go that route when it's her first... You would, like, probably, I would think, you would be really cautious about anything aggressive anyway like that, too. I would... I don't know. Yeah, and maybe I'm overthinking that, but... She should be in 100% control of this right. at this point. Because that's what's been taken from her. So, yeah, it doesn't... 
all the way around, it's it's just bad. Okay, here we go. Here's Uh-oh. I'm rubbing here up. Zach <laughs> with the so, opposing viewpoint. I at first I was I was definitely like don't go this route. I was like I don't think they need to hook up. I don't think it's necessary. I think what we've had has been good so far. Let's just keep it professional to some degree. And then like I did catch a lot of that flirtiness as well. So I was like okay, they're sort of trying to like get into the flirtiness of it all or whatever. And then you know when like you, things real, go down real quick. When you guys say flirtiness, do you mean like him being excited about her? outfit and the gloves and that stuff yeah yeah i thought it took more of a almost a like romantic comedy vibe there for a minute while he while they're doing that it just it felt like two people kind of flirting yeah over Mm -hmm. messed up material but still oh of course i guess i can see that because otherwise i didn't read any flirting but i can see what you're saying with that it's that romantic comedy trope of what do you think of my outfit yeah, and then and then when it got to the the sex scene, and I was like, "All right, well, it's gonna happen." And then like I didn't hate the way that they did it, so I guess that's why I just didn't like. I totally understand and and can and respect everything that everyone said, but it just didn't bother me as much. And then I was like, "Yeah, those things definitely have their place." Like in terms of, you know, she she should have been this more, more this way or more that way. But I guess, like, I don't know, like, I just didn't hate it at the end. And even her, you know, him throwing her on the bed was sort of like a, well, she had the control at first. He, he like, gave her the control at first. Uh, and so she had that moment. And then she relinquished that control back to him because she trusted him so much that she knew that, like, she wouldn't be traumatized or triggered by it, I guess. But none of it makes any sense. I'm not saying any of it makes any sense at all. I guess I just wasn't as bothered by it. Yeah, I mean, the bother the bother comes from... So, look, like, of all the guys that she could have, like, hooked up with this, this close to uh, what happened to her, Dexter's a pretty good choice because he's not, like, out looking for sex. He's not pushing right. her to do anything. Right. So it's really all her choice. It's all her, like... Dexter doesn't kiss her; she kisses him. You know, it's exactly. that sort of thing, yeah. and that's all fine. I think our problems, specifically Brooke and my problem, is that a survivor of rape does not initiate sex. Totally, like within weeks of being released from kidnapping. No, I I totally understand that, and I agree one hundred percent. I'm just saying that it the way they did it didn't bother me enough to like make me hate the episode because of what happened. Yeah, I just I, hate I, the I don't need Dexter and Lumen to be together. I guess is the yeah the short version. It well, just changes the whole friends. thing of the <laughs> whole friends. season and where it's going. It just changes it. It changes it. I feel like it cheapens it. I feel like they took an easy way out. Also. They took the obvious choice, and it just didn't make any sense. And it was really, really badly done on top of it. Yeah. Yep, so uh, this was directed by Keith Gordon, uh, who has directed lots and lots of Dexter. Uh, Scott Reynolds was the writer. Uh, He wrote a total of nine episodes and produced uh, between 2011 and 2013. What was your best line of the episode? I, re- I really liked when uh, 
Lumen said 13 and right before she gagged and stabbed him. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Also mine. Just give me a number. 13. Yeah, that's what I picked. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of really good lines from this episode, more so than than bad lines, so it was hard for me to choose, but that was a great one. I also had uh, Deb saying, uh, who would want to take these guys out? And you know the first person that came to mind? Me. And I was like, that was really powerful. Mm-hmm. And then also Dex, uh, Dex's final line in the in her eyes, I'm not a monster at all. But that's really only if you if you don't mind the context of them hooking up. <laughs> so <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a it's a good thing for Dexter, like that he's got someone who knows his dark side and accepts him and loves him still. Yeah, still wants to be with him. So I yeah I understand yeah. his sentiment there. Um, I you know, and in, and in my head, in my world, um, they should have an episode where Olivia Wilde guest stars, so they can fight over who gets to be the real thirteen. But mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice reference. Uh, how about the worst line of the episode? Did I just say? It right I now? did that. In her eyes, I'm. It's not a no. In her eyes, I'm not a monster at all. Sorry, Zach. That's fine, because the context is different, or the feeling is right. different, so I yeah. totally understand it, yeah. Yeah, and, and only because of, there weren't a lot of bad lines, so that was actually just really yeah. the only one that stuck, stuck us out. I, so. I didn't have a bad line, but as we've been talking about it, I'd have to go with Liddy saying, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's true. She's practicing yeah. with the knife. <laughs> Um, no, that was pretty bad. I came up with uh, when Dexter said, your time is up to Jordan Chase uh, when they were doing the cotton swab or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's kind of, it's a cheesy Dexter line. Yeah. How about the worst line of the episode? No, that yeah, was my worst line. Worst. How about even worse? No. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It was hard to find bad lines as it was, it really Dale. Was. The, the when, worst this is a hard it, one. When Dexter tells her to turn the knife around... She's stabbing it in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was okay, how about the Chicky Hines Memorial performance of the episode? I give it to that. Um, whoever played Emily Birch. I thought she did a really uh, good job. Okay. Mm. I went with Julia Stiles on this one because just her having to watch the DVDs and to play that level of... I mean, to have to get into that mindset as an actor, I can't imagine... You know um, how trying that would be. You know the scenes where she's listening to herself screaming, and just even get into the mindset to scream like that, and then to watch it. I mean, just impressive, impressive. Even even after the sex, you're giving it to her. I'm gonna pretend that didn't happen. That's not Julia Stiles' fault. True. Wait, did she yeah. write this episode? Because if so, I'm taking it all back. She just wrote the last yeah. scene. That's all she yeah, remembers okay. the last scene. <laughs> then she loses all future performance of the episodes she, and all She previous. wanted an excuse to make out with Michael C. Hall. That's all yeah. it was. Yeah, I'm going with Julia Stiles as well. Um, I think she did a great job. And then in my mind for the last scene, uh, she came in and she's like, okay, I have some thoughts. You know, like how when an actor just comes in and like the director's like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's go with whatever Julia Stiles wants because Julia Stiles. <laughs> 
Yeah. Good. Well, and it was ex- extra uncomfortable on the set because uh, Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter were married by this time. Mm-hmm. So. Who'd you give it they to? They were married at this time or divorced? I don't know. They were married. They were still married at this point? I believe That's so. the next season where they're split up. I, I think they split up, like, either <laughs> right before or while... Uh, he was dealing with the cancer stuff. It was it was after he had finished treatment. So yeah, I think it's like partway into season six that they stopped, or that they got divorced. <laughs> so who do you think uh, for What's performance the, the best? Um, I'm gonna give it to Liddy. I think. <laughs> Peter Weller saying, oh my goodness, is... He is a, with that cheeseburger just sitting right next yeah. to his mouth. <laughs> he's, he's just about he's to looking, bite into it. Yeah. Jeez. Him looking for a pin and he goes, see you later, Dexter. <laughs> uh, so that'll do it. Thanks, guys, for helping with the episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Dexter. Dexter.